Oh, yes, indeed. It is the sports book. You better believe it. Right here on 760 WJR. As always, a true pleasure to have you along with us. Tough act to follow with Ken Brown and Lomas Brown taking care of business via sports rep uh, prior to this program. But uh, you know what? We're going to do our best. Uh, yeah, to say the least, if you're a Spartan slash Lion fan, it was indeed a sour weekend. Uh, plenty to share in that regard. Meanwhile, Steve Courtney here, and I, to be completely honest, looking at this Monday in a completely different way than my partner. Jamie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You have had yourself a busy day, haven't you? I have. I did my civic duty today. Good for you. Have you done it in a while? Uh, It has been a little bit of time, um, but I always jump right in. We're talking about jury duty here, folks. Yes. I Uh, was not picked. But I did go. After a few hours, they decided to to cut you loose, huh? Correct. Well, five hours to be exact. All right. Um, Yeah, I have, uh, I think it's been about four years since I got the call. And I as well went through the process and it was settled. So there you go. But uh, so very important that uh, you fulfill your civil obligation. Yeah, it, it's an interesting day. And everyone in that assembly room, they couldn't quite n- tell why they knew me. That say things like, did you? Did we work at the hospital together? And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how that comes to be. Um, I, meanwhile, uh, was an active participant in the 20th, and I can't believe it's already been 20, uh, 20 years of the Paul W. Smith Golf Classic, uh, this time around at beautiful Indianwood in Lake Orion, uh, congratulations to Paul and uh, everybody else involved uh, with that fine outing. Again, 20 years strong, Jamie, uh, raising valuable, valuable funds for the Detroit Police Athletic League. Um, time That's well great. spent. Congrats to Paul. Indeed. Uh, once again, uh, as has become the tradition, I was teamed up with good friend Terry Radigan from General Motors, uh, Jenna Young, also from General Motors. And they introduced me to a retired General Motors guy, a wonderful lad by the name of Tom. Uh, you know, let me, and I'm just going to say this, if you're wondering how we performed. Uh, if there was a plaque given to those who played spirited golf and had a wonderful time and a couple of liquid sandwiches along the way, uh, we would take that plaque. Okay, so back to back, the weekend before, the week before, you were the 20 under group, and this time you were the fun group. The fun group. And you know what? Either or is fine by me. Uh, Either or is fine because just love being out there. But, you know, it's kind of crazy how this golf season in our great state of Michigan goes. You know it better than anybody, partner. One minute, it's March, and you're waiting on this season with bated breath. Then you blink. And it's getting to be late September. This is the final Monday golf outing, and I'm I'm kind of bummed out about it. This is your swan song. This is pretty much it. So, okay. uh, here and gone. And meanwhile, uh, as we're doing this program, uh, you are on your way to Port Huron to participate in the WJR Morning Show tomorrow. Yes, I'm going to join the group. I was not there this morning because of said jury duty. But, yes, we're going to be remote tomorrow in Port Huron with lots of guests. And I'm excited about it. And it's not like there's a lack of news to discuss. No, 
No, not at all. Uh, by the way, uh, Port Huron, beautiful this time of year. Uh, obviously, let's start with this, um, because I think it's front of mind still uh, with everyone, uh, and that is the very disappointing uh, Lions performance yesterday. And you know what? I'm not going to be the one, James, to jump right in with SOL talk, um, because, look, it really bummed me out. Again, when it comes to watching Lions football, I was making up swear words, and they end up losing in overtime to the Seahawks 37-31. Jamie, what did this Lions loss do to you as far as the overall feeling and sense of this Lions team? See, I don't think it's SOL. It still feels like a completely different team management season to me. I will say, going backwards a little bit, that atmosphere inside Ford Field was absolutely amazing. Like It felt like a playoff game. It was so loud. I tried to capture it on my phone, but, I mean, it was fun. It was really fun. And the reason I say I don't think it's the same is they got down 10, 10 points with eight minutes to go, and they rallied to come back. So that's why I think they're different. Same like uh, game one when Marvin Jones Jr. fumbled in the red zone. They came back. So to me, this feels different. I'll just say this. Here's how I was looking at this thing, you know, coming in. And we discussed it at length. Um, Obviously, a different mantra with this Lions team led by Dan Campbell. You begin the season knocking off the defending Super Bowl champ Chiefs on the road, no less at a uh, very volatile stadium in Arrowhead. Um, So you come back for the home opener against a team who is absolutely throttled at home by a team that's supposed to be having a rebuilding year in the former Super Bowl champion Rams. So you mentioned it, Jane, that the hype at Ford Field, because uh, Burkhart and Olsen, who did the call yesterday, started the thing by saying this was the most anticipated Lions home game in 30 years. Now, you, you don't um, have the time. Sure. Yeah, you don't have the time to, you know, break that statement down. But on the surface, they're absolutely correct. Uh, the state, the city, Lions fans all over the place, just getting ready to see greatness unfold. And quite frankly, it didn't. No, you know, there were definitely some question marks. I mean, how they didn't pressure Geno Smith when Seattle had their backup tackles in is concerning. Uh, Smith was able to, again, throw for however many, 300-plus yards. Concerning. Um, And then these injuries that the Lions are walking away with here are also a little bit concerning. Yeah, there is a whole lot of reason uh, for concern. You mentioned Geno Smith, 32 of 41. 328 yards, two TDs. Uh, He was sacked once, and that was by his own doing. He lost 17 yards. Uh, Anzalone brings him down. Okay, but that was it. And you mentioned Seattle comes in, James, minus their two starting offensive tackles. The two replacements, a combined six games starting experience. Right. So you would think, you know, Aiden Hutchinson and company would be able to manhandle them. And for somebody who's screaming at the radio right now, you know, as you know, we know Geno Smith threw that second touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett on the opening drive of overtime. Yeah, we know Hutch was held. 
you know, the refs blew it. Okay, we all understand that. Uh, that did not cost the Lions the game. Uh, no, that one play did not cost the entire game. You know, I just mentioned Geno Smith's numbers. Jared Goff, he threw the pick six. I get that. But he was also 28-35 to 35 for 323 yards, three TDs, uh, a rating of 121.8. You're right, James. This Lions team fought back. Uh, they're down 10, under six to go, as a matter of fact. And they find a way to tie it. But therein lies one of the problems here, because Dan Campbell has taken it upon himself to be the gambler. To go for it on fourth down, even when they're own, in, in their own territory, which is a big, big mistake. Because let the records indicate, in Jack Fox, you have one of the better punters in the league. Does he know that? <laughs> yes, I think he does. But I think this is who he is. He is this gambling guy who's going to go for it on fourth down, who does the fake punts, what have you. But if that's your identity, I don't understand the final drive in regulation. They had time. He walks away with one timeout. Why not use it and go for it, you know, take a shot instead of just play to tie? Well, yeah, you've got a minute 45 left, as a matter of fact. The ball's at midfield. You've got all three timeouts left. And it just appeared to me as though the gambler, the gambler, Dan Campbell, was playing for a tie. Yeah. And I didn't get it. And And they stood there, and they let the clock wind down, and we were all in the press box going, what's happening? Call timeout. Well, let me back it up a little bit because, again, Watched a Lions, a lot of Lions football. And I'm going to be honest with you. First possession of the second half. Uh, Lions up 14-7. And David Montgomery fumbles. I said at that point, here we go. Game on. I felt it. And that's a... You felt the tide turning at that moment? I did. And I'll tell you why. Because, okay, you're up 14-7. You get the ball to start the second half. Now, it would have been awesome to go up 21-7 via that first drive of the second half. David Montgomery puts it on the ground. And I just had this feeling in my gut. Oh, boy. This isn't good. Montgomery, by the way, before leaving with injury, and that's concerning, 16 carries, 67 yards to go along with a touchdown. And you're right. The uh, the injury situation um, is, uh, is not good, especially... Uh, as it applies to Montgomery. But there were so many other things. And let me just say this also, as it's popping in my noggin, this revamped Lions defensive secondary, Jamie, is not good. Defensively, as a whole, this team was extremely disappointing. Yeah, I mean, the secondary was disappointing. Now, they're waiting for Mosley. Maybe that changes some things because Jerry Jacobs is not supposed to start. Oh, dear. And he did not play well. Uh, no, it was, it was, um, subpar and I'm being extremely kind because he was also, uh, the subject of my ire, uh, during that thing. And, you know, there were some bright spots, you know, certainly for the Lions. I think offensively as this thing unfolds, uh, they're going to be okay. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is going to figure it out. He had a couple of faux pods along the way. Uh, but let me tell you this, Sam Laporta. Uh, rookie tight end out of Iowa. He is going to be a certified beast. Five receptions yesterday, 63 yards. His ability to catch contested balls is is unbelievable. Yeah, he was definitely a bright spot. And the offense, again, sort of so showing how efficient they could be, which is, again, why I go back to they had it at midfield. Why not go for the touchdown? 
I, I Well, that is a question I'm sure that was being asked around water coolers all over the place. Now, don't think for a second that the uh, Lions, when they get together with the uh, Atlanta Falcons, who are coming off a last-second win over the Green Bay Packers, um, they're not going to come in here with a boatload of confidence. And, uh, you know, talking to Lomas uh, Brown earlier, uh, before he went on with KB, uh, this is, and I know it's only uh, the third game of the year, it is a must-win. Do you agree with that? Yeah, because they don't want to have a slow start like they did last year. Sure. And I think, uh, you know, with everything that we have discussed as far as where this Lions team, where this Lions organization wants to be, you know, this was a very, very disheartening loss. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, shouldn't have happened, quite frankly. But now you've got this team that knocks off the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Now they're one and one. And I hope this one doesn't come to, uh, back to bite them in the hiney as this season unfolds. because well, As it did last year. Well, there you go. And, you know, you've got to take care of your home field. That's your house. And so now here we are, Lions already 0-1 at home. And everybody's saying, well, you know, at least everybody else in the division lost. But that's my point. You had a chance in this statement game to let people know you better damn believe the NFC North is going through Detroit. And it didn't happen. Yeah, you know, when you have these opportunities, you need to take them because maybe they don't come around later in the season. And Seattle, they couldn't beat Seattle last year. They couldn't beat them the year before. But specifically last year, they lost a tiebreaker to him at the end. Well, and, you know, you mentioned injuries, you know, and, and we've been lauding this Lions O-line as being one of the best in the NFL, and I, and I will die on that mountain. Uh, but Taylor Decker unable to go uh, yesterday, uh, and Big V playing that right guard position. Uh, he was able to get off the field on his own power with a little bit of assistance, but it did not look good. So please don't tell me that all of a sudden now we're going to have the injuries creeping in to the old line like we've seen in previous seasons, please. I know. I hope not. But, you know, that pick six happened sort of a couple plays after Vitae came out. Like the minute he came out, Jared Goff was rushed heavily in the next couple plays and then boom, pick six. All right. Your Lions, by the way, as we look forward to that Falcons tilt come Sunday, uh, Lions a three and a half point favorite over uh, that team from Atlanta. That'll be 1 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, you know, everything going on in East Lansing. And uh, you talk about a very troublesome, troublesome scenario. Uh, well, the plot thickened uh, earlier this afternoon. We'll update that and more as we continue with the Sportsbook here on 760 WJR. Certainly need to tell you about this before we go any further here on the Sports Wrap on 760 WJR, you know football season is back, Detroit, and the excitement continues. It does for our beloved Honolulu Blue and Silver. Uh, as a matter of fact, some would say it's still at an all-time high. That's why I'm so very excited to announce our first WJR Travel Club football flyaways in New Orleans. You're invited to join me, Steve Courtney, in the Big Easy, December 2nd through the 4th for a football Sunday to remember. From mouthwatering culinary delights to a rich and vibrant culture, New Orleans offers the ultimate experience for football fans and travelers alike. Flights, get this, flights, premium hotel accommodations in the heart of the French Quarter, no less, a ticket to the game, 
a New Orleans tour, a jazz brunch. It's all included. You're even going to be my very special guest at an exclusive balcony party right on Bourbon Street to get fired up for the big game. Huh? Hurry, space is limited. And with Detroit buzzing with excitement, this incredible football experience will sell quickly. Visit WJRTravelClub.com for complete details on our football flyaway for a Detroit versus New Orleans battle. That's WJRTravelClub.com. Book your trip like right now. Jamie, I'm so very excited about that. Steve, I don't know why you didn't include me on your football flyaway. I'm available. <laughs> Jump on in. The water's fine because I'm telling you. I, 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 I it am, sounds amazing. I am really looking forward to it. But at the same time, this will be my first ever trip to New Orleans, and I'm a little bit concerned. No. You've been around me a lot lately. Are you concerned? <laughs> no. No, because you're going to have other people there watching you on that balcony. Ah, uh, chaperones. That's exactly what yeah. I need. Uh, all right. Meanwhile, uh, we've got to talk about this. And, you know, in East Lansing this past Saturday, uh, Spartans getting ready to host number eight Washington. And Michael Penix is for real. There's no doubt about it. Um, 41-7. Uh, the Huskies obviously win it going away. And you know what, James? Uh, there was a sense uh, there in EL. I get it. Kids are resilient. Uh, you know, this whole Tucker fiasco. And I am being kind when I call it that because it's so absurd uh, what has transpired. You know, kids are resilient. But you know what, Jamie? They're not robots. And as I'm watching this game unfold, I'm thinking that these kids who did absolutely nothing wrong, their heads are going a million miles an hour right now with everything and the sadness that has transpired. Yeah, I mean, I got to a point there where I felt really bad for the student athletes, but did you see the video of the Spartan walk? It was all over social media. Yes, yes. A lot of people lined the pathways for oh, the yeah. kids. It seemed extra busy to me, so maybe people really did support them in the way I had, I had hoped. I was not there. Yeah, there is uh, no doubt uh, that the team uh, – Interim coach Harlan Barnett, of course, Mark D'Antonio, uh, all the support in the world. Um, but look, the reality of the situation is this is devastating uh, what tr- uh, took place. A very selfish act uh, by an individual who, quite frankly, should have known better, but clearly did not. And that's where we get to this. Um, Michigan State uh, informed head coach Mel Tucker in a letter today of the school's intent to terminate his contract for cause, citing, and uh, quoting here, a body of undisputed evidence of misconduct that warrants termination, end quote. Uh, MSU delivered the notice in a five-page letter from Athletic Director Alan Haller. Now, Mel Tucker has been suspended without pay after sexual harassment allegations emerged in media reports uh, just last weekend. Prominent sexual assault awareness speaker Brenda Tracy filed that sexual misconduct complaint against Tucker, that in December of 2022. She claims that Tucker made unwelcome advances after she was hired to speak to the Spartan football team about sexual misconduct and her experience as a rape survivor. She said Tucker also, um, without her consent during a phone call in April of 2022, uh, Tucker admitted to this but said in a statement last week that it was part of a consensual, intimate relationship. 
Uh, so there we have it. And I think as an elect- athletic department, uh, James, I think Michigan State really had to take this road. And by doing so, letting Tucker know that, okay, this is the way we're going to handle this. And at the same time, um, perhaps getting rid of a temporary cloud over this 2023 football team. I think it's sort of always going to permeate this season, which is unfortunate. Some people are wondering why now. Well, because they have him in the morality clause of that contract. It doesn't matter what happens in that October hearing. So, you know, they went through the process. They have to give him the seven days notice. They did that. He's welcome to argue his point why he shouldn't be terminated. I don't know how he would possibly do that, but I do think there's going to be a fight over money, as there always is. Yeah, there's a no doubt about that. But MSU uh, made it very clear in this letter uh, that they delivered today that they were firing Tucker for cause unless he can present sufficient reasons to dispute the grounds for termination, uh, as you alluded to, partner, in the next seven days. Now, he's got a lot of money on the line, uh, more than $79 million remaining on his contract, uh, which they are attempting to not pay him uh, for the firing for cause. Um, Haller explained the university's argument for firing Tucker with cause in a letter addressed to both Tucker and his agent. He wrote that Tucker's admission that he commented on Tracy's body, made frequent flirtatious comments to her, and did what he did while on the phone with her were all breaches of Tucker's contract and gave Michigan State grounds to fire Tucker for cause. Uh, Haller also noted a combative public statement that Tucker issued through his attorney last Monday that we discussed here on the radio program there, James, as another example of him breaking his contract. Tucker's contract uh, said he must keep positive and constructive in tone any public comments about university policies. So there's that. (laughs) Clearly he violated that at the very least. I mean, they have so much, I think, that can certainly get them to the point they want to get to. I think it's sad. I think it's embarrassing for the university yet again. And I just hope moving forward they make good decisions on who they hire to be the head football coach. Well, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how it plays out because I I will say this. um, Just speaking uh, to a lot of members of uh, Spartan Nation on Saturday prior to the Washington tilt, um, Harlan Barnett, has not only the respect of the Spartan team, uh, but those on the outside as well. Uh, And why wouldn't he? Uh, He has paid his dues. He has got deep roots uh, with the Michigan State program. And as far as Mark D'Antonio goes, what else can be said? Uh, The winningest coach in school history. Had a chance to uh, uh, get a quick, uh, hey, how you doing? Good luck to you, Coach, uh, with Coach D before the tilt. And uh, it just didn't go their way. And I think there's uh, some obvious reasons for that. Uh, Quite frankly, uh, when you get news, and look, this team, James, read this story pretty much the same as everybody else did a week ago yesterday morning. And if they were anything like me, they read read it three or four times to make sure what they were reading is what they were supposed to be reading. And it was devastating. I can't imagine their reactions just finding out what they found out. Also, they know this woman. She had come to talk to them. They know who this is. It's it's just something else. But you know what? This is number eight Washington. I think this was going to be a loss anyway. 
did all of this add to it and make it worse? Probably. Well, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, sadly, this is going to be a story uh, that truly lingers. And, um, you know, now here's the thing. You know, Coach Barnett, uh, Coach D, uh, they have a damn good Maryland team coming in for homecoming uh, on Saturday. Now, that's going to be a 3.30 kick. Here's truly with a tailgate show uh, getting underway at 12.30. And I I, I really think it's pivotal um, that uh, this team and Coach Barnett, Coach D'Antonio, get them ready to play because if things go south in that homecoming tilt against Maryland, you're going on the road for the next two. And this thing could get out of hand very quickly. But at the yeah, same time, say the word spiral, it could absolutely spiral. But when you when you're dealing with what Michigan State is dealing with, you know, I'm under the impression, OK, football is football. Everybody want you know, Spartan fans want Spartans to do well. But there is something going on right now that is shockingly horrific. Now, if, if you were asked to come up with a way out there scenario before Michigan State ever teed it up for the first week against Central. This would not even come into play, would it? No. I mean, I, I, we, you and I talked that Sunday. We just couldn't get over it. Uh, I, absolutely jaw-dropping. Uh, so, subsequently, uh, you have Michael Penix Jr., who this Washington team, not going anywhere. They are darn good 713 total yards of offense spartans which is a record for any michigan state team yeah michigan state only able to generate 208 as a matter of fact katen hauser uh kept the uh shout out off the board four yard td run there uh in the fourth quarter we were talking uh myself george blaha jason strayhorn before how important it was for the uh, spartans to win time of possession not even close Washington held it 35 minutes and 32 seconds to the Spartans' 24 minutes and change. And it wasn't a very well-played contest on either side. And Michigan State has got to clean up the penalty situation. Uh, Washington was right there. Both teams, 11 penalties there. James, Washington, 110 yards worth. The Spartans not far behind at 83. I mean, yeah, like we said, spiraling, getting ugly. And as the score just kept ticking upwards, I'm sure they started to get frustrated, too, so therefore more penalties. Well, you know what? I, I, I think that this team is going to go through a whirlwind of emotions, I'm sure, like a lot of folks have um, with this whole Tucker thing. You know, as I, as I mentioned, clearly a very selfish act on his part. And uh, maybe, just maybe, and it's been my sense there, James, uh, when you've got stories of this magnitude, you know, to sit on it for a little bit, because chances are better than not that there's going to be another twist or turn or explosion to go off. Um, I would not be shocked if that happens uh, as it relates to this story. But for Mel Tucker to conduct himself this way, when he took the job in East Lansing, knowing fully well what this university, what the community had been through with that Nasser debacle, it infuriates the living out of me. I know. And I just don't get it. 
I don't understand it either. I mean, he knew sort of the perception nationally of the university and how you really need to, you know, dot your I's, cross your T's, and just, I don't know, be a good person. And he couldn't handle it. And now look where we are. No, I think that uh, you've got a dude that, um, you know, basically was just living the life. And uh, I've heard various stories, and I won't even mention because I really don't have anything to substantiate it. Um, But uh, at the same time, you know, I think I said last week, and I will say it again, this could be, no, cancel that. This is one of the largest self-implosions in sport, period. Well, yeah, if you look at the amount of money, absolutely. Well, and who's going to hire him? Now, talking to some people out at the uh, golf outing today, many under the impression maybe in a year, maybe two tops, an NFL team will bring him aboard uh, as, a pos- as a position coach. I'm not so certain of that. Not in today's landscape. Uh, one year, two year, I don't think so. Maybe after two years, I don't know. But I do know this. I believe his college coaching career is finny. Over. That I agree with you because you're supposed to be leaders of young men. Like, how can you well, and galvanize if, any locker room now? Here he brings this young lady in, this uh, Tracy, knowing fully well what she does. And I'm sure he's telling his team, give her your undivided attention because what she has to say is very important. Yeah, She is going to educate you as to how you should behave when you are out and about uh, with ladies of the uh, opposite sex there. Yeah, I. it's unbelievable. He brought her in to sort of coach these young men on how to behave, and then he behaves in that manner. That's the problem, and that what is really infuriating. Because, you know, he was telling his boys, hey, this is how you've got to conduct yourself as a gentleman at all times because you don't have to go far to read stories about college athletes who didn't and they have let their team down and they have let everybody down and don't let that happen to you. We don't accept accept that here at Michigan State. And then what? What? Are... And then the most unbelievable thing happened. It's just unreal. All right. You were saying that the people that are usually forward-facing for the university, like Tom Izzo, he's kind of hanging back right now. He doesn't want to get mixed up in this. No, I don't think, uh, you know, I mean, what do you say? I mean, uh, because everybody was on board. You know, everybody was on board Tucktown, you know, and the woodshed and the deep end and all this stuff. Although you come off an 11-win season with a 5-win season. So, look, the pressure was going to be on him this year. And maybe he collapsed under that. Who the hell knows? But it's extremely disappointing. And I expected better. And he fell woefully, woefully short. So there you go. Meanwhile, if you were a Wolverine guy or gal, uh, yeah, they had to do a little something-something, but they get a 31-6 win over Bowling Green on Saturday. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, who had been on point going into this tilt, um, a career-high three interceptions. Blake Corum says, that's all right. Give me the rock. 
Uh, he had a 54-yard run on his first snap, finished with 101 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the Wolverines will get Jim Harbaugh back on the sideline. They get Rutgers at the big house. That is a 12-noon kick on Saturday. Michigan favored by 24. So, hey, did you know there's a doubleheader going on in the National Football League? I did. Good times. We'll talk about that. The Tigers coming off a sweep of the uh, Angels and where they're going. Uh, We've got this, that, and the other thing happening. Leave it here on 760 WJR. All right, folks, your Detroit Tigers making their way towards the end of this campaign. And by golly, uh, good for them. Get themselves a three-game weekend sweep of the uh, Anaheim slash California slash Angels. And uh, they did it in fine fashion. Uh, What about Spencer Torkelson there, James? How about this kid? All of a sudden, 28 home runs to go along with 83 RBI. I'm really happy for that kid. I was just going to say I'm happy for him. After all of the pressure that was on him last year and the beginning of this year, it's nice to see him sort of come into his own. Yeah, so as I say, they earned the sweep over the beleaguered Angels. And uh, one of the great off-season stories is going to be what's going to happen to Shohei Otani. Um, they cleared yeah. out his locker. When was it? Uh, Friday? Uh, it was empty. And they said that they would have coaching kind of. Yeah. And then they said he hey, he's just done. He's hurt. And, you know, he's not going to play anymore at all this year. And so is he going to be uh, baseball's first $500 million guy? Uh, somebody's going to line up. But then again, how many franchises can actually uh, pay for this guy? Very few, if that's the number. Dodgers, Yankees. And it probably ends there if you're talking $500 million. I mean, if, if Mr. I was still here, maybe. <laughs> right. Oh, he passed the hat. I know him. Um, so anyway, they begin a three-game series in the City of Angels uh, with the Dodgers. Uh, game one, 10-10 tonight. Tigers now, all of a sudden, a mere nine games under 500. Eduardo Rodriguez. We'll get the ball for the Tigers. He is 11-8, and eight, ERA of 3.32. And you talk about, Jamie, uh, interesting off-season conversations. Does he stay or does he go? I I was just going to say that. We're on the same page, Steve. I like that. I was going to say, what's minds. off-season hold for him? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he seems like he likes it here, but he's going to like it even more where the money is. And it, it, it's well, just the way it goes. Tigers fans are going to be really upset with him if he put the kibosh on the trade and then still walks away. Right. Oddly enough, they're in Los Angeles to face the Dodgers. Crazy how all that works out. Uh, indeed, folks, a doubleheader as far as Monday night football goes in the National Football League. We'll talk about that as we wrap up this edition of the Sportsbook here on 760 WJR. All right. Interesting things going on. In the National Football League, a Monday night doubleheader underway right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, it is the end of the first quarter in Carolina. The Panthers and visiting Saints all tied up at three. And then, Jamie, uh, you're going to have your eyes all over the game getting underway at 8-15. A big, critical, crucial AFC North battle, the 1-0 Browns in Pittsburgh to take on your 0-1 Steelers. Right off the get-go, huh? How about that? Yeah, you know, I love <clears throat> the rivalry games. The Steelers always come for the rivalry, so I'm not worried about it. Oh, really? 
Mm-hmm. You said that very matter-of-factly. <laughs> oh, come on. They've had the Browns number for, like, my whole life. <laughs> Although, well, maybe it doesn't I mean, mean last much. Year. You know, yeah. Browns open with a with a nice, what was it, 24-3 win over the Cincinnati Bengals, for crying out loud. But that, that being said, good. the uh, second year in a row, Cincinnati uh, has started 0-2. Go figure. I, but with Joe Burrow, he can bring him back. Hey, uh, what's the vibe on the Steelers there in Pittsburgh? Are they expecting really anything this year? No, the vibe is of concern of the diehard Steelers fans. I don't know. They could surprise. People still believe in Kenny Pickett, even though he had a tough first game. People love him. Well, it was interesting. Uh, I was doing some light reading this morning, and uh, I read this deal that maybe, just maybe, the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 because Zach Wilson, I don't think he's going to get the job done, not even come close. Somebody uh, sent up the flagpole. The uh, Jets should give Ben Roethlisberger a call. Oh, Lord. (laughs) I I don't think so. But I did hear, you know, why not Kirk Cousins? Yeah, there's, uh, you know, the dude at ESPN is the one that uh, originally brought that up, and uh, he was kind of ridiculed for it. But, I mean, you know, here's the thing about Kirk Cousins. You know, you take a look at his numbers, and they aren't bad. They aren't bad at all. And the Vikings' defense has been really bad for a while. And they're all saying, look, you can mock Kirk Cousins all you want, but at the end of the day, his numbers are good enough to provide a winner. Defensively, they've been inept. But that being said, how does Minnesota feel about Kirk Cousins? If they don't think he's the future, why wouldn't they entertain an offer for a trade? Right. It's if, you know, they had that incredible record last year, but were they really as good as that record? No. So if they're ready to rebuild, that could work for them. I floated this up only because the Rams tried like hell to trade number nine, Matthew Stafford, uh, around the draft. They were working it hard. Uh, They asked him to redo his deal. He told him to pound salt. He was like, thank you, no. And I'm thinking... But how much do you want to tie up financially as far as quarterbacks go? Because the thought still remains, I guess, that Rodgers will be back next year. That being said, uh, Matthew Stafford, would they make a call to the Rams? I mean, that is a very interesting idea. It certainly will get sports talk radio talking. I don't think the Staffords want to go there. Oh, could you imagine Kelly in New York? Well, actually, yeah. (laughs) I, I could, but I mean, holy mackerel. Uh, she doesn't hide her thoughts. That's for darn sure. Well, no. In fact, she highlights them with the podcast. Indeed. All right. Well, listen, you uh, go all enjoy all the splendor that is Port Huron, partner. Thank you so much. And we look forward to hearing you on JR Mornings tomorrow with Guy and Lloyd and Nick and Mike and uh, everybody else. And uh, what do you say? If you're not going to big time me, we can do this again next week. All right. I'll allow it. Okay, And I'm certainly looking forward to it. Uh, Folks, that is going to wrap it up. Indeed, uh, we'll make it a date next Monday night from 7 to 8. Uh, As always, we appreciate you tuning in. Again, thank you to everyone uh, at P-Dubs Golf Outing. Great time had by all here on WJR.